the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. What is the most disgusting verse in the Quran? Surah 65, verse 4, confirms that men can marry little girls who are too young to menstruate even after they have been divorced. With me here in studio to unpack this from Islamic sources and commentaries, our dear brother David Wood. David, the Quran itself actually endorses this. And and, and this is important because, uh, as we've seen, uh, when we raise the issue of Muhammad and Aisha, uh, Muslims at first will try to say, no, she was much older than nine. And then we show them what their sources say. But then they'll argue that she had reached puberty. And they'll say that in Islam, you have to reach puberty. We, we show from their sources that uh, Aisha hadn't reached puberty. But notice, it's strange for them to even make the argument that Aisha must have reached puberty, not just because of what's in the Hadith, but also what's in the Quran. If it's wrong to have sex with a girl before she's reached puberty, why does the Quran allow men to have sex with girls before they've reached puberty? And so what you have in Surah 65, verse 4 of the Quran is that Allah had already revealed that if a man wants to divorce a woman, um, he should uh, divorce her and then the woman should wait. Uh, three monthly menstrual cycles before she gets married to another man so that there's no confusion if, if, a, if a child is born. But uh, Muhammad's companions eventually raise the issue, well, what about, what about our wives that we're divorcing who don't have a monthly menstrual cycle? What do we do in those cases? And there were basically three categories. There were mm-hmm. women who were too old to right. have a monthly menstrual cycle, little girls who haven't reached the age of puberty, so they don't have a monthly menstrual, monthly menstrual cycle, and pregnant, pregnant women. That's right. So Surah 65, verse 4, is to give a ruling on These those categories. situations. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, we'll go ahead and read the Hilleli Khan translation here. They add a little bit of commentary to show what it means, but it's exactly what we're saying. So Surah 65, verse 4. And those of your women as have passed the age of monthly courses, so these are, these are women who are too old, uh, for them the idda, that's the waiting period before you can marry again, for them the idda, prescribed period, if you have doubt about their periods, is three months. And then it goes into a different category of wives. And for those who have no courses, i.e. they are still immature, their idda, prescribed period, is three months likewise, except in case of death. So here, Allah gives the ruling 
that if a girl who is still immature, she doesn't have a monthly menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. uh, if you divorce her, then she has to wait three months because she doesn't have a monthly menstrual cycle. So you just wait three months instead. But notice what this is actually saying. Obviously, you can get married to a girl before she's reached puberty. That's you can right. have sex with her and divorce her. And then she has to wait three months before she can get married again. But she hasn't reached puberty. And so the next guy can marry her after three months, have sex with her, divorce her. All of this before she's ever reached the age of puberty. And so the Quran is actually giving rulings. And it's assumed mm -hmm. that you can have sex with a prepubescent girl. I want to add Tafsir al-Jalalain, by the way, which people can go to uh, altafsir.com. I, yeah. I actually have those. Excellent. You know, you can go because uh, that confirms and it's in English. People can go and read it themselves. Go, go yeah. ahead. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, 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 we're going we're gonna to look at that on, on the screen because notice there are lots of Muslims who they think Islam is wonderful. These are the same Muslims who, if you tell them Muhammad had sex with a little girl, they'll say, they'll say no way. Because they, they're convinced already that he's great and wonderful. And so the idea of him having sex with a nine-year-old girl, just it doesn't, it doesn't mm -hmm. they can't believe it. Right? But it's similar with the Quran. They think of the Quran as this wonderful book that's giving the best rules ever. And if you tell them the Quran actually allows sex with prepubescent girls, they say you're making it up. Right? So this verse isn't the clearest verse in the world. You have to understand what questions it's answering and the previous background and what, what, what issues this is claiming to respond to. Once you understand all of that, then it is clear what it's saying. But just to show that we're not alone in interpreting it this way, let's go to some of the greatest Islamic commentaries of all time. So this is the tafsir of Ibn Kathir. Ibn Kathir, considered mm -hmm. by many to be the greatest Quran commentator of mm -hmm. all time. Uh, the, the, the heading here is the idda of those in menopause and those who do not have menses. He says, Allah the exalted clarifies the waiting period of the woman in menopause, and that is the one whose menstruation has stopped due to her older age. Her it is three months instead of the three monthly cycles for those who menstruate, which is based upon the ayat in Surat al-Baqarah. And then notice, the same for the young who have not reached the years of menstruation. Their idda is three months like those in menopause. So according, mm -hmm. accor not according to me, not according to al-Fadi, According to Ibn Kathir, the greatest Quran commentator of all time, this is talking about girls who are so young they have not reached the years of menstruation. And that's 700 years after allegedly the revelation of this verse. Apparently, this practice is still going on and Ibn Kathir has no problem. Mm -hmm. No problem whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. Um, but suppose we don't like Ibn Kathir. Let's go. And here we have Tafsir Jalalain. Which you, were, which you were bringing up. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, com the commentary on Surah 65, verse 4, and as for those of your women who no longer expect to menstruate, so these are grown women, if you have any doubts about their waiting period, their prescribed waiting period shall be three months, and also for those who have not yet menstruated because of their young age. So girls who have not menstruated specifically because they're too young. Uh, interestingly, the next, the next commentary, this is Tafsir of Ibn Abbas. Ibn Abbas gives the historical background of the verse. Notice what he says. Yeah. So, and for such of your women as despair of menstruation because of old age, if you doubt about their waiting period, their period of waiting shall be three months. Upon which another man asked, O messenger of Allah, what about the waiting period of those who do not have menstruation because they are too young? Mm-hmm. 
along with those who have it not, because of their young age, their waiting period is three months. So notice, someone actually raises his hand. Muhammad, what about, what about uh, girls who are, who are too young to have a, a monthly menstrual cycle? And that would have been a good place for Muhammad to say, what? You can't do that. Exactly. And Ibn Abbas is the father of Islamic commentaries, and he is the cousin of Muhammad. And so this is a pretty, pretty high authority here. Notice all of the most respected Quran commentators of all time are agreeing on what this means. But just to show that there are Muslims who are honest about this, even today, let's look at a modern, very popular Muslim da'i who admits what the Quran is saying. And so this is going to be from Muhammad Hijab. We're going to look at some video clips. And his position is actually that if you just go with the Quran, you'll conclude that you could have sex with a five-year-old because that's all it says, um, you, as long as she, she hasn't reached puberty. But he believes that you have to go outside of the Quran. So I just want to clarify that. He's not saying that it's okay to have sex with five-year-olds. He's saying if you just had the Quran, he's saying you have to go to the Hadith to find out that you should wait till she's a, a little bit older. But let's go ahead and check out a clip from our good friend, Muhammad Hijab. If you look just at the Quran, you will get the indication that you can have sexual intercourse with a five-year-old. The reason why it's haram to have sexual intercourse with a five-year-old is not found in the Qur'an at all. If you just read the Qur'an, it is halal, it would, just, it would be halal to have sexual intercourse with a five-year-old. In Surah Al-Talaq, chapter 65, verse 4, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us who you can divorce and who you cannot divorce. And then he says, وَاللَّهِ لَمْ يَحِدْن وَاللَّهِ لَمْ يَحِدْن And the ones who had never been pubescent before. And by the way, this is very important, yeah? I want all Muslims to be aware of this. The reason why we don't have sexual intercourse with five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds or whatever is not because of puberty. Wait a minute, what did you say? It's not because of puberty because that verse in the Quran actually says, Lam They never had puberty before. You can't go around that. The Quran doesn't say doesn't say anywhere in the Qur'an that the woman has to be pubescent. I dare you to find one verse in the Qur'an where it says you're not allowed to marry someone based on harm or you're not allowed to have sexual intercourse based on harm or you're not allowed to marry someone based on puberty. So if you're a Qur'an alone, you're allowed to have sexual intercourse with five-year-olds. Get me one verse in the Qur'an which says the woman has to be pubescent. One verse. I want one verse in the Qur'an from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, which says that she has to be perfect. So, okay, so that makes it halal from your perspective. From your perspective, it's halal. You know, in the Quran, it says, It says you're not allowed to marry your mom. It says you're not allowed to marry your sister, your auntie. Where does it say you're not allowed to marry a pretty person? I'm looking for one verse that you, you can say, you pinpoint it and say, this is where it says, prepubescent marriage or whatever is not allowed. So if you're Quran alone, you're still towards pedophilia, and a severe type of pedophilia, a wife abuse, a severe type of wife abuse. You know, I, I like his reasoning. Yeah, you notice he, he, this, is, this is a popular Muslim speaker saying that if you just go with the Quran on this, you would conclude that it allows a severe type of pedophilia. It's yeah, not and he just, acknowledged that, that it is a pedophilia you know, going by the Quran. A severe type of pedophilia. So this is why we say this is the most disgusting verse of the Quran and why Muslims who try to say, oh, Aisha must have reached puberty because Islam would never allow that, 
Allah himself allows sex with prepubescent girls, not just according to us, according to the Quran, according to the Hadith, according to the greatest Islamic scholars of all time, and even according to Muhammad Hijab when he's being honest. So absolutely reprehensible. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this clip, by the way. And uh, I, I think it's fair to say that next time we'll revisit this clip and even expand a little bit further on what Muhammad Hijab was saying concerning Quran-only interpretation versus obviously he's going to allude to other sources that you need to rely on. So that's why we share these things with you. And we are sharing it from the horse's mouth in this case, one of their own. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. The series that we've been doing for a while about Aisha and Muhammad uh, and of course, when I say we, that means myself and our dear brother, David Wood. And last time, if you've watched that episode, we did play a short video clip by a modern day uh, Muslim apologist by the name of Muhammad Hijab, who was commenting actually on chapter 65 of the Quran, verse 4, and rightly stating that if you rely on the Quran only, you are going to basically conclude that it is allowed for you to marry a five-year-old, for instance, which is a severe case of pedophilia. But we're going to show you today that Muslims actually, like Muhammad Hijab and others, worship Muhammad and elevate Muhammad to a status above Allah himself. How are we going to do so? Well, that's why we have David Wood here, and both of us will interact with the same video clip one more time and comment on that. David, welcome back. Yeah, you know, our Muslim friends get awfully uncomfortable when we start pointing out that they worship Muhammad. And I say, what are you talking about? We don't worship Muhammad. We want it, we're going to make it very clear here in this video. According to Muhammad, they worship Muhammad. Yeah. According to Muhammad, modern Muslims like Muhammad Hijab and Muslims around the world actually worship Muhammad. And if they say they don't, they're saying Muhammad, Muhammad was wrong. And so we have to piece this together because it's not obvious until uh, we, we, we put all of this together uh, for our Muslim friends. But let's go ahead and rewatch this video clip. Just the, the background is that Muhammad Hijab is talking to some Quran-only Muslims, Muslims who don't believe in the other sources, don't believe they have to follow the other sources. They just believe what the, the Quran reveals. And he's pointing out that they have a problem here because if you just go with what the Quran says, you would conclude that you can have sex even with a five-year-old little girl, a prepubescent five-year-old girl. And he calls this a severe type of pedophilia. Right. Let's go ahead and check out this clip. If you look just at the Quran, you will get the indication that you can have sexual intercourse with a five-year-old. The reason why it's haram to have sexual intercourse with a five-year-old is not found in the Quran at all. If you just read the Quran, it is halal, it would, just, it would be halal to have sexual intercourse with a five-year-old. In Surah Al-Talaq, chapter 65, verse 4, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us who you can divorce and who you cannot divorce. And then he says, Wallahi lam yahidn. 
And the ones who had never been pubescent before. And by the way, this is very important, yeah? I want all Muslims to be aware of this. The reason why we don't have sexual intercourse with five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds or whatever is not because of puberty. Wait a minute, what did you say? It's not because of puberty because that verse in the Quran actually says, Lam They never had puberty before. You can't go around that. The Quran doesn't say, doesn't say anywhere in the Quran that the woman has to be pubescent. I dare you to find one verse in the Quran where it says you're not allowed to marry someone based on harm or you're not allowed to have sexual intercourse based on harm or you're not allowed to marry someone based on puberty. So if you're a Quran alone, you're allowed to have sexual intercourse with five-year-olds. Get me one verse in the Quran which says the woman has to be pubescent. One verse. I want one verse in the Quran from the beginning of the book to the end of the book which says that she has to be pubescent. So okay, so that makes it halal from your perspective. From your perspective, it's halal. You know in the Quran it says, It says you're not allowed to marry your mom. It says you're not allowed to marry your sister, your auntie. Where does it say you're not allowed to marry a pre-pubescent? I'm looking for one verse that you, you can say, you pinpoint it and say this is where it says prepubescent marriage or whatever is not allowed. So if you're Quran alone, you're still towards pedophilia, and a severe type of pedophilia, a wife abuse, a severe type of wife abuse. Now, you can look at the Muslim comments, comments from Muslims on Muhammad Hijab's video where he made these points. And it's, it's a much longer, it's a much longer clip. But they think he's got a brilliant response to Quran-only Muslims, that right. if you just believe in the Quran and you don't have Muhammad in the Hadith to tell you, you need to wait a little long until she's a little bit past the age of five before you start having sex with and her. And that's the point behind what he's doing. I mean, I want people to know he wasn't doubting Islam. He was just pointing the fact that Quran alone is not going to give you the answer. Mm -hmm. And so the point he's making, the point he's making is you need to go outside of the Quran the Quran would, would allow you to have sex with a five-year-old, and that's why you need Muhammad to avoid those consequences, because Muhammad waited until she was nine, and um, even though he didn't wait until she had reached puberty, uh, he must have been waiting until she could handle a grown man penetrating her, right? So very disgusting stuff to be, to be even talking about, but that's the point he's making. That's the point he's making. He's saying, you can't just go with what Allah says here. If you just go with what Allah says, you would conclude you can have sex with a five-year-old. That's why you need Muhammad to guide you to another conclusion. And he says, if you just stick with what Allah says, you would conclude uh, that, that you're steered towards a severe, his words, not mine, a mm -hmm. severe type of pedophilia. Why? Now, obviously, this is a problem. This is some disgusting stuff. Muslims are saying that in their book, if you just go with what their book says, you'd say, hey, sex with five-year-olds is totally halal. Um, but it actually gets worse for, for them because based on what Muhammad Hijab just said and what so many Muslims would agree with, they just admitted that they worship Muhammad. How can we say that they just worship Muhammad? Well, we have to listen to Allah and Muhammad on this one. So let's look at uh, a passage from the Quran real quick. Here we have Surah 9, verse 31 in the middle there. 
And so this is uh, briefly after Surah 9, verse 29, which commands Muslims to violently subjugate Jews and Christians. And the obvious objection that would come up is, why are we subjugating Jews and Christians? And one of the reasons given for why they are to subjugate Jews and Christians is because we aren't actually monotheists. We've become uh, mushriks, right? Mm-hmm. And it says right here, how have, we, how have we become mushriks? Surah 9, verse 31, they have taken as lords beside Allah their rabbis and their monks, and the Messiah, son of Mary, when they were bidden to worship only one God. There is no God save him. Be he glorified from all that they ascribe uh, ascribe as partner unto him. Now, it's true that we take Jesus as Lord because he is Lord. But there's, notice, this is a little confusing here. They have taken as lords their rabbis and monks. We take rabbis and monks. Jews and Christians take rabbis and monks as lords. Instead of Allah, I don't know about you, but I don't recall worshiping um, rabbis and monks. So what in the world could Muhammad possibly mean here, right? What does Allah mean? Well, interestingly, this is exactly the objection that was raised to Muhammad. And we have, uh, it, it's, it's in numerous sources, but uh, we have it here in the commentary of Ibn Kathir. So, so going up to, towards the top, um, there was an Arab who had converted to Christianity, and then Muslims come to his area. And so he shows up, you can see up there uh, uh, towards the top, when the people announced his arrival, Adi went to the messenger of Allah wearing a silver cross around his neck. The messenger of Allah recited this ayah. So he recites um, this passage from Surah 9. They took their rabbis and their monks to be their lords, besides Allah. Now, this would have been confusing to him. What what do you mean we take rabbis and monks as lords? Adi commented, I said they did not worship them. So he's saying, what do you mean lords? We we don't worship. We don't worship our rabbis and monks. So he's objecting to the idea that Jews and Christians take rabbis and monks as lord. He's saying, what? We don't worship them. And Muhammad responds, the prophet said, yes, they did. They, rabbis and monks, prohibited the allowed for them, Christians and Jews, and allowed the prohibited, and they obeyed them. This is how they worshipped them. So he's not talking about bowing down and worshipping someone. He's saying that when Allah gives you a revelation, and then you say, well, I'm going to take what this man says, this, this human being says, then you're setting up that human being as your Lord. You're saying, hey, I'm doing what this human being says to do. And he's saying, according to Muhammad, you just worship the person because you've just associated him as a partner with Allah. So (laughs) why is this a problem? Why is this a problem? Mm -hmm. Notice, Muhammad is clear that when he's talking about worshiping, Rabbis and monks, he's not talking about bowing down and saying, oh, I worship you, my great monk or my great rabbi or anything. He's just saying when that mere human being tells you tells you something and right. you just say, OK, I'm, I'm listening to you, especially if it overrules what Allah, what Allah has said. If Allah has said that something is halal, this is according to Muhammad. If right. Allah says something is halal and you say, no, it's forbidden. Or if Allah says something is forbidden and a human being says, no, it's halal. And you say, okay, I'm going with the human being. Then according to Muhammad, you have worshipped that person. Why is this relevant? Because you obeyed the command of that person. That person. And overruled the command of God. Uh Uh-huh. Why is this relevant? 
Muhammad Hijab says, if you just go with what Allah says, you would say it's halal. His words, not mine. That's right. That's you would right. say it's halal to have sex with a five-year-old girl. But you find out from Muhammad, you have to wait until she's older because it would be harmful to, the, to a five-year-old to have sex with her. And so you find out from Muhammad that you have to wait when Allah says it's halal. And so notice what's going on here. According to Muhammad, if you say, well, God says one thing, but this human being says it's actually forbidden, then you're worshiping the person. But wait a minute. According to Muhammad Hijab, Allah tells you it's halal to have sex with a five-year-old, but we know from Muhammad that it's not. You can't have sex with a five-year-old. You have to wait until she's ready. And therefore, not according to me, not according to you, according to Muhammad, in, in, in Muhammad the prophet of Islam, and Muhammad Hijab, Muslims are worshiping Muhammad. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, maybe we should do another show just to talk about the fact that Muslims do worship Muhammad. And I would add, if you would follow the Quran, they worship Muhammad and even their scholars at the same level. And that's the problem that we are faced with here, our dear friends. You do not listen to what Allah says. You listen to what Muhammad says or in these days to what the clerks and the scholars will say. And unfortunately for you, you are basically committing shirk because you are adding more lords and more gods next to Allah. Exactly what chapter 931 was fighting against. Thank you, David. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everyone. Hopefully, this series has been helpful to all of you. Until we meet next time in another series, God bless you. Take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.